What a big, big, big show we have coming up for you here on the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I'm Dennis Farrell, and he, fresh off of a vacation to Mexico where he just had to wrestle around a little bit, is Petey Williams. Petey. How's she going, eh? Oh, let me tell you, Dennis. Did you miss me? I'm enjoying. Oh, I did miss you. Let me let me tell you, I, I'm I'm enjoying a beer right now because uh, yeah. One thing I watched. Speaking of Mexico, on my way to Mexico, and actually on the way my return flight from Mexico, I watched our boys, our good friends in Super Troopers Two. Have you seen that movie yet? Not two yet. No. Oh man, let me tell you, it's like a big battle between Canada and the USA, a lot of Canadian jokes. But the Canadians were also giving back the American jokes. Great, great flick. You, you got to check it out. Um, I, I I love it. Do you feel like your Canadian uh, brotherhood was well represented in that movie? I do, and I might talk with a very thick Canadian accent for this whole podcast. Maybe. 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 I, I even open up a Labatt's Blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Let's bring it back down a little bit here. Uh, All right. What a great week. Tell me anything interesting from the tapings that I always have to ask you when I don't go with you on the taping. What what happened? What was funny? What was good? Uh, well, the first day I get there, um, we'll fast forward a little bit, and uh, I see Sanjay at the hotel. And uh, the first thing, I was supposed to be at the – the wrestlers hotel. And then when I get to the airport and arrive, they have, uh, I, I, we'll call him a, a, a Latino liaison there. And he said, no, you're not at that, that hotel. You're at the lab Meridian. And I'm like, Oh, who's staying there? And it's the rest of the office. So maybe I'm actually accepted into the office now. I don't know. I'm not just, cause you know, before I was wrestler and office. Now it seems like, Hey, you could stay at the office hotel now. Okay, great. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm chit-chatting with uh, Sanjay when I get there. We're at the bar, you know, having some food and stuff at the hotel. And I just, I, just for giggles, I said, oh, yeah, I'm here with Dennis. And he, like his eyes, like, he, he knew who you were. His eyes brightened up and was like, what's Dennis doing here? I'm like, I mean, I'm just messing with you, man. But it would have been funny <laughs> if you were actually if you were actually there with us. Wow. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean. Did he look um, excited? Like, I, where is he? I want to see him. Yeah, like, kind of. Like, kind of like, what is he doing here? He flew himself into Mexico. Did we book him in Mexico? Did we fly him down here? Like, no idea. <laughs> um, so it, it was a really good time. Uh, really, um, you know, I was really impressed with the hotel. Let me tell you, I had like a living room and a bedroom in my hotel. Uh, you can't drink the water in Mexico, though. So, you know, you're, you're buying bottled water. Um, shows were great. Uh, we did two tapings there on two nights. It was uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, the Thursday night. So, so this is what's weird about the Mexican crowd. You say, "Hey, now, now normally our impact taping shows start at seven o'clock uh, in like the U.S. and in, in Canada, and people are there by seven or, or prior to seven o'clock, and they're set up in their seats and they're like, all right, let's you know, ready for wrestling in Mexico.'" I don't know if they go on a different type of uh, time frame. Eight o'clock rolls around, nobody's there. You know, even though they know the sh- they they know the show starts at eight, it just seems like oh maybe they'll leave their house at eight or whatever the case may be. Um, most 
shows in Mexico, they usually start at like nine o'clock anyways. Like that's a, that's a norm for them. So we, we go to start at eight o'clock and we're like, Hey, you know, people are just starting to get here at eight o'clock. So we have to push it back till about, you know, every night it was like, yeah, we're going to start at quarter after eight. Okay. Eight 30. And we usually get about eight 30, eight 45 when the place was full. Um, so that's what we dealt with the two nights. The second night, um, well, we're, we're kind of affiliated uh, somewhat with AAA. There, there's two big promotions in Mexico, AAA and CMLL. Um, AAA kind of Conan books that, I would say. And uh, the second night, which was the Friday night, um, right down the street, like 15 minutes away, CMLL was having their big like WrestleMania anniversary show at the same time as ours. And I was like, oh, man. Is is anybody going to show up to our show? Like they're having their like WrestleMania show. They're like the two top promotions in Mexico, and sure enough, you know, same thing. Eight forty five, we get started. You know, places, uh, you know, places full, and uh, we we you know pumped out two good shows. So I was really happy with it. What, listen, the Toronto shows. Every time we gone back there, everybody says it's a whole different feel. It feels like you're running a, a show that people are interested in, especially if it comes off well on TV. How would, do you think this crowd will come off on TV going forward? Uh, it's a little bit different. Okay, So once again, primary language in Mexico is not English, Spanish, right? So, um, And obviously we're, we're building for our American television show. So you have, let's say, Austin Aries out there you know, cutting a promo that's 10 minutes long, you know, trying to sell the Bound for Glory pay-per-view in front of people that maybe English is their second language. So it's kind of tough, but we still have to do it for TV. But also we're putting the talent in a very tough spot because we understand that, hey, we know that, you know, probably half these people don't understand what you're saying. Um, And the other half, it's like second, you know, English is their second language. So that's tough because we still have to go forward with our storylines, but at the same time, you know, we got to do what we got to do. On the other hand, you got guys like Pentagon and Phoenix. I mean, it was amazing when they, when their music hits, you know, and their, their, their image comes on the big screen and they come out like they are just like the fans. They're like the Hulk Hogan's, the rocks, the stone colds, whatever you want to call them of Mexico right now. So they come out and the people are so into them. It is ridiculous. Like they don't, their opponents, if they do anything in the ring, even if it's like awesome, cool, amazing, they're like, nope, we don't care about you. We want, uh, you know, Penta or Phoenix to, you know, just destroy you. So that was a different dynamic, but it's the same thing. Like when I'm in, in Canada, um, people really like me. When I'm in Mexico, they're like, yeah, okay, we like him, but... You know, we like our, our, our Mexican guys better. Understood. While you were down there, the the internet went crazy with the Pentagon going to the WWE chatter. I don't know how plugged in you were when that was going on. Uh, can you talk to me about what what you guys were doing? Did you guys talk with him and figure out what's his contract like? Because he's in the middle of some pretty interesting storylines, whether it's here or MLW. Well, you know, what, what was going on with you guys? Um, so I didn't hear anything about it, unfortunately. Um, I kind of, I mean, if I wanted to, 
I'm pretty sure, and you'll see with Brian Cage later on when we interview him, I'm asking him questions about, you would think that I would know because, you know, I'm part of, I'm privy to what's happening uh, behind the scenes. But, you know, part of me is like, I, I just don't ask these questions. Like, hey, what's going on with Brian Cage's contract? Or, hey, what's going on with all these, like Penta and Phoenix, what's going on with their contract? I just don't ask. You know, I, maybe I, you know, feel like a, a young boy that doesn't want to be shot down by a, like a cute girl or anything like that. I just, I just don't ask. I'm like, you know what? Our focus is the show. That's what we're doing. Um, but you know, what was interesting I found was Penta and Phoenix were only there for the Thursday night. And, uh, and you know, they had, they had a couple matches on Thursday night and then, uh, I was, you know, talking to them. I'm like, you guys aren't here tomorrow. And they said, no, we're not. And I said, okay. So I think they were actually down the street at the CMLL show, the anniversary WrestleMania show, uh, kind of going against us. They were. And I, I kind of asked. I, I know. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, I kind of asked. I'm like, well, I'm like, what's their deal? Usually in Mexico, you're either AAA or CMLL. And I guess they are such big stars that they're kind of like freelancers, like independent, we'll call them wrestlers. And they're exclusive. They can kind of work wherever they want. Yeah, they're yeah yeah. They can do, I don't know, exclusive, but like inclusive or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they can work wherever they want at whatever time. I mean, that's how big of a star as they are. But I'll tell you, just uh, we had some explosion matches on there where we had like four luchadors against four luchadors, and those matches were like, man, if you get a chance to watch those, like, I. <laughs> The commentators like Don Callis and Josh Matthews, you can't call those matches. You're just kind of going, oh, did you see that move? Oh, did you see that move? That's what it was for like 12 minutes because these guys are just nonstop action. Just And we're asking their ages. They get they get back from the back and, you know, Sanjay's like, hey, how old are you? And then one kid was like, I'm 19, you know, and this other kid's like, I'm 23. And they're just cool. amazing luchadors already. But you got to remember – in Mexico, they probably start wrestling when they're 13 years old or maybe even sooner. So they've already been in the business for 10 years. Um, <laughs> that but sounds just, so weird. I mean, I know, right? Um, so it just, it's it's such amazing down there because, I mean, it, it. but it's also at the same time, I love the style, but then I also hate the style because I'm watching this match. It's only supposed to be eight minutes long, but it goes 12 minutes and we're sitting on the headset going, and there's supposed to be a break halfway through and we're like, oh, I don't know, just pick a spot to do the commercial break um but i mean these guys are just so amazing but at the same time like in the 12 minute match i wanted to say they did every single professional wrestling move that you could possibly think of but it's it's amazing but at the same time you're like i mean you're just watching it you don't even have a chance to react because by the time something really cool happens two other guys are in the ring doing something even more spectacular so just a totally different style in Mexico. Very appreciative of it, but at the same time, it's like, man, what did I just see? Like, I couldn't even tell you what happened in the match. All I could tell you is everything happened in the match. <laughs> I, I I love that. Uh, finally, before we move on and start talking other things, uh, the internet was also a buzz with the reports that Impact Leadership went up to Connecticut to talk to. Uh, WWE officials, I, I'm not 100% sure what they went up and talked about. When I texted you, you played the I don't know game. 
So here we okay. are. Oh, well, hang on. Here we are. We've got the tape running. It's almost like you're on trial for Watergate. Look, what happened? Be honest with me. Okay, so Dennis, I will be 100% honest with you. Again, I am not uh, privy to that. I mean, I they, they would probably tell me that if I asked, but I, I don't come in there and say, hey, Scott, Sanjay, Don, what's going on with our talks with WWE and stuff? Like, I, I don't say any of that. You know, when we sit there, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of like kind of what I do. So for, I don't want to give anything away. Let's just say spoiler alert. If you want to know what happens, then don't listen from wait, here wait, on wait, out wait, for wait, the wait. next like two minutes. Let's no, say, no, let's not even do that. Let's let's, I don't even want to play the spoiler alert game. I just want to say, or ask you this then. I, I'm not even going to ask you to assume what they were. You know, my guess would probably be extending the current agreement or, or anything like, like that. I couldn't see as as a fan knowing the track history of the WWE outside of whatever agreement you guys kind of have now that WWE would do any more, wouldn't open their doors or anything like that to anything more than what was going on there. That's groundbreaking enough. Um, yeah, I'll say, so once again, disclaimer, I don't know any of the conversations. Okay. That's, that's way higher than my pay grade. Let's say it's two chuckleheads um, on the mic talking right now. Yeah. I mean, but if I had to speculate, let's just, let's just speculate. This is what I would say it was about. Um, so back when, you know, AJ Styles first or after a year or whatever the case may be, Started with WWE. They obviously wanted some old footage of him, so they contacted Impact. Oh, hey, can you show you know footage of AJ Styles from Impact Wrestling? And then you know, in return, they'd have the Global Wrestling Network uh, little logo on the bottom of the screen and show stuff that was Impact related. Um, I could see talks of that happening. Well, I mean, why not, right? Like, I mean, we still to this day mention AJ Styles on our television program just because he was a huge part of our impact history. And, you know, for WWE to deny that he's he's like, what, I don't know, almost 40 years old, and he's only been with the company for a, a handful of years, like two years or whatever. Like, what did he do for the, the rest of his career prior to that? So, you know, it's good that we're not, you know, calling fans stupid anymore. We're not saying like, hey, you know, we understand that you know where AJ Styles came from. You know, like the majority of the fans anyway. Some of them might, might be like, oh, who's this AJ Styles guy that are just like, you know, casual wrestling fans that maybe just watch WWE. Um, so, yeah, I can see that definitely happening. Again, like maybe they re-up their deal, like saying, uh, I, I don't know, like, yeah, you can use this footage, but make sure you promote our Global Wrestling Network app. I mean, that, that's what it probably was. That, that's That's kind of what I assume because... Outside of yeah. that, just to even get that, that what's amazing. Yeah, and, and I agree. Like, you got to think about it. We've already been doing that. And I, I think, I don't know if WWE's watching our buy rate numbers or ratings numbers or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, they're like, yeah, we'll give you that. We'll, we'll promote this for you. But we need this footage because we want to tell the story of, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, whoever else they have in their company that are big stars, they want to tell the story because they understand that they can't tell, you know, the, the heartbreaking, heart wrenching story. They're, 
you know, like their, their climb up the ladder of professional wrestling without their huge history in impact wrestling. Cause that's, that's what it was. They, they've been with impact longer than they've been with WWE. They built their fan base because they were impact before they were in WWE. That, that makes sense. And you know, I, uh, yeah, I I don't know if there's anything else I can talk about on that. Uh, let's move on. A uh, bun- bunch of things I've got on the plate before we get to our Brian Cage interview. PD, why do wrestlers hate its fans? I'll be honest. Don't why me. do they hate what? Why do wrestlers hate their fans? Listen to me. Uh, you can ca- candy coat it all you want, but I am a wrestling fan. But uh, you listen to some of these older wrestlers, eh, you know, uh, maybe Hall and Nash, not them personally, but that generation. I wouldn't say this younger generation that's different, but, you know, they don't talk fondly about the fans. They come up with a derogatory term for us called marks that, you know, hey, we buy tickets to the show. We buy your shirts. We buy your autographs. And then you poop on us. When we're really excited to meet you, to me, as a fan, that is the biggest slap in the face. I don't know if there's another sport out there or entertainment company where, you know, the product hates the people that are funding it. Okay, so I'll play devil's advocate here. So, um, oh please do because this is we're going head to head on this. Yeah, I mean, so first off, well, let me throw this out there. I always make time for the fans. Okay. I mean, I don't care. You know, I'll give you an example. One time we were, uh, done an impact tape and we go back to the hotel. People know where we stay. Uh, all I wanted to do was go and eat at Wendy's. And there was like, I don't know, a couple guys in the lobby asking for autographs. Right. And I said, okay. And uh, another wrestler was like, I, I'll catch you after I'm done eating. I'm like, I'll sign it really quick. It's going to take me like, I can almost walk at the same two Wendy's that I wanted to go to at the same time as I'm signing the autographs. No big deal. Um, that's one thing. But at the same time, you have to think of this. I mean, a wrestler, let's say they wake up at 5 a.m., whatever the case may be, just catch a really early flight. They fly, they land, they got to get the rental car. They're traveling all day. They get to the building. Um, you know, they, they, they have to they have to work all day. And now it's like, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. They just worked all day. All they want to do is eat, go to bed kind of deal. And then, you know, people are bugging about, you know, can I get your autographs, pictures? Maybe they were bugged all day at the airport. Who knows, right? It ne- has never affected me. Like, I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll always do that because I would never, I put myself in their shoes. I would never want to be a fan and ask like my favorite wrestler, like, "Hey, can I get a gra- autograph?" And they say, "No, get out of here, kid." Like that would crush me as a kid. So I, I always make sure that, yeah, yeah, I'll take a picture with you. And just at the at the Impact tapings in Mexico, you know, like um, myself and a couple other guys left really quick out the back door. And there was a huge amount of fans in there, and they were like, "Come on, we got to go," and because we had to actually. <laughs> In Mexico, certain things closed at a certain time, and it was getting close, and we had to get some food. And if we didn't get the food, we weren't eating. And these guys bolted around the corner. They got past the crowd, and the crowd was like, oh, Petey, can I get you know your autograph and picture and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's just make it quick. Let's do this. you know. And I, I did all that, and I kind of ran off. And I made it in time, but I could see a wrestler being like, hey, I got to get to this place before they – like, or 
any place before it closes or I'm not going to eat and I'm going to be a luck kind of deal. All right. So, hey, hang on. You've, you've hit I, me with a thousand things and I, 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 I get it. Although there was one fan of yours that I witnessed where he's like, hey, I know you're working late one night. Would you like to go out and have dinner and sit and talk with me? And you're like, oh, no, Dennis Farrell, I don't have time for you. I'm going to do other things that don't involve hanging out with you. I don't know. That was just recently. I don't, I'm don't. i not sore about it or anything, but I'm just, just saying you don't have to make time for all all your fans. Just you know. Well, so, Dennis, I wouldn't call you a fan of mine because we're partners, I would say. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes I'm not going to make time for my partners. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm I'm going to do my best <laughs> to make time. I mean, my 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 arms and my body is pulled in so many different directions. It's like, yeah, um, but I'm I'm going to make time for you. Hey, don't you worry. Oh, I got you. All right, all right. But it, back to being serious for a second. You've mentioned uh, all realistic and, and understandable things. But, you know, the derogatory term called marks, when you listen to some of these wrestling podcasts where they're like, oh, well, the marks, it's almost like saying, oh, well, you know, the guys that keep my electric bill on as a fan, that's a slap in my face. Look, this is a clean show. So put the earmuffs on your children's ears. It pisses me off. It, Petey. You know what? I, when I get mad, I get mad. But it, it seriously, it, it pisses me off. If I'm giving you a download, I'm listening to your podcast. I buy one of your shirts, and you ref, refer to me as a mark. It's it, to me. I don't want to be a fan of that guy. I, I love wrestling. I love the personalities. I love it so much. Here I am doing a podcast with you because we have fun. It's enjoyable to me. The last thing I want is the talent pooping on me or making fun of me because I'm a wrestling nerd or I still remember what happened in a match 10 years ago. I get that it's sometimes it's just a job to you guys. And I get that sometimes you can be tired after a, after a flight and you may not want to take pictures or sign autographs. But there's no excuse when you go out and say, oh, Marks, I, I hate them. Or, you know, because without our money, there isn't a show. And yeah, no, and I there needs to I be more respect. You. There needs to be more respect. And you know what? I, I I don't know if I can call anybody out. If I want to, I can, but I'm not. But there are podcasts. There are uh, you know classic wrestlers that just that just talk about the fans back then like they're idiots. You know. If I'm investing my time, I don't want to be treated like I'm an a-hole because I'm supporting you. And I don't mean to dump on you, by the way, but this is something that I was I was listening to a po- podcast the other day, and one of one of the guys in the '90s was just pooping all over Marks and uh, maybe maybe Smarks. Maybe I can get people get mad at, but if you love something so much and you want to create something to support it. And maybe we don't always agree with booking. That's okay. But don't poop on your fans. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what exactly you're referring to, but the the term Mark came from before this internet age. Like, that's what they called him. Like, that person in the audience, he's the Mark. So he's the target. Like, that's what they, that, that that's the purpose of it. Like, they're the Mark, right? I mean, that, that's what the whole purpose was. So if you look at, if you look at television, for example, um, 
you know, you, you have the hard cam on one side, and then if you, you, you've seen this setup, like yes. on the hard cam side, there's not too many fans on that side, right? That's the that's the side that you don't usually see of the audience. Um, and they put all the audience on the opposite of the hard cam side. So if you ever see like, and WWE doesn't do this because they're trained not to do this, but you might see this on other shows that aren't like, you know, WWE, where the fan or where the wrestler will turn their back to the hard cam, you'd be like, well, why is he turning their back to us? You're watching on television. Why is he turning his back to us? Because he's looking at what we would, they would call the marks. So we wouldn't want to you know, pay attention to the marks because we were always trained, old school days. The fans are just props. They're there. So you're always playing to the camera because even if there's like 1,000, 10,000 people in the stands, there's like millions of people watching that camera. So who are you going to play to? The millions of people? or the thousand or 10,000 fans in the stands. Right. So, I mean, and that, that's how you gotta, and there's, you gotta remember that person watching you on television every single week, he's watching you, that person in the stands, they're not there every single week watching you. So, I mean, you're trying to sell to the, to the, to the TV audience, but no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, this Mark term, I mean, maybe, I, maybe we gotta switch the term. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. That's just a term that has been brought from God I, probably since before I was born. That's just what we called the fans. Now, if you look at the term fans, what's that short for? Fanatic, right? So, I mean, would you want to be called a fanatic? We just call it fans for short because fans seems like, oh, not as bad as a fanatic. Um, you know, Mark doesn't sound that bad. Fans doesn't sound that bad. But if you're like, hey, man, this guy's a fanatic. When I think a fanatic, I think like that guy's going to like, I don't know, look up all my personal information and try to like, I don't know, like take my wife and kids hostage or something like that. That's what you think of when you think fanatic. He's a fanatic of it. So, I mean, maybe we do have to switch the term. I don't know. But fans is short term for fanatic marks. We just use the term marks. It's it, it's the wrong term. And I want to start a movie yeah. that, that, you know, what do you what do you want to call them? I haven't put that much thought into it. <sighs> people, people that love wrestling. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, if we're talking about uh, how about fans, how about just, you know, wrestling fans? Why can't we be that? Why do we have to be marks? I get the history of the word, but now the word is no longer what it used to be. And let's get used to it. We're in a time now where we've said things in the 90s and 80s and the 70s. Now you can't say them now. You know, there's a laundry list of things. I want to add the word mark to that from an entertainment standpoint where, you know, I, if I'm enjoying something, I don't want the the talent of what I'm enjoying pooping on me. Because if I'm watching, uh, let's say, a Detroit Lions football game or a Detroit Tigers game, and the pitcher gets on the microphone and is like, you know, I love baseball, but, you know, these darn marks out here are ruining it for everybody. After I just bought the guy's $120 jersey and I have an autographed picture for 50 you can go pound sand after that. Yeah, no, I mean, I some terms, I mean, I don't even think the people know where like marks came from. Like, for example, you're in the military, uh, a mark, like he's our target, our mark. Like that's what we're looking for. Like we are trying to sell this professional wrestling product as a real legit fight to 
this target right here, this target audience, which we refer to as a mark. That's just our term for it. So, I mean, that's where it came from. Just like fans, short for a fanatic, somebody that loves, like, let's say, you know, the Detroit Tigers or the Boston Red Sox or whatever. They're fanatic about it. Um, I mean, I don't know if the term will ever get changed. If we can, great. If you have another name, I'm all for it. I'll start that movement with you. I mean, we don't have to call him Mark. And then, and then the other term from Mark came from smart Mark. No. So a smart Mark was a person that looked at the dirt sheets, kind of knew what was going on. They were, And then we turned from smart Marks to smarks. Like we just like shorten it up. Smart marks is a smart. Um, and, and it's a good, like when I'm, when I go to a show for the first time, I'm like, Hey, what's the crowd like here? Kind of like, so I know, Hey, do I have to put a little bit of gog on my match? Do I have to like, uh, do more backflips and stuff? Like, like what, what do the, what do the fans want to see here? It's not so much what I want to do. What do the fans want to see? What am I going to do to entertain the fans? And they'll say something like, Oh no, man! It's a, uh, it's like a really southern crowd, or it's like old school, or it's like, oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of smart marks here. So when they use those terms, I know exactly like, okay, this is what kind of crowd I'm I'm gonna be in front of. This is what I can do to entertain them the most. So I mean, it, I don't really think it's meant as a derogatory term anymore. It's kind of like, you know, hey, this is, this is how you entertain this particular set of. Of, of of people of of the crowd of the fans are we are we still talking about this or are we moving on now <laughs> let's move on you're, you're you're beating a dead horse right now thank you uh, before we get to our brian cage interview i just want to talk to you guys a little bit about blue chew pd uh we're gonna wait guys put your women on make them listen from here on out look they don't care about marks and smart marks and they probably should, they may like the brian cage interview i i certainly did mm. But mm-hmm. we'll wait here. What do you think? Uh, think they got them now? Think they, they got their I women th- listening? I think so. Okay, ladies, listen. Uh, I know that you're tired of your, and I'm going to use a bunch of wrestling terms here, but I know you're tired of your man not quite reaching the top of the ladder to get the money in the bed briefcase. I know that you're tired of the dirty finishes in the middle of the ring. I mean, who, Pete, you don't like a dirty finish to your match, do you? No, no brass knuckles for an object. You got to take it home clean, man. That's right. And you can do that with Blue Chew PD. For, if you use the promo code Ellsworth, you get a free sample of Blue Chew. Only pay $5 shipping and handling. I, I got to tell you, I used it. I love it. Uh, my wife, I went from, you know what, honey? You did a good job to holy cow. What was that? I mean, she she almost loves me again. Yeah, I mean, when you start getting a this is awesome chant by one person, <laughs> or, or multiple people, whatever you want, but this is awesome chant by one person, you know it's working, Dennis. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened. There was a this is awesome, you know, a fight forever. There was the fight forever chant, too, in the same bedroom. And <laughs> what, other <laughs> chant, what other chants? Maybe we- a different... Maybe a different F word forever. You know what I'm saying? I I do. Uh, Bluechew.com. Bluechew brings you the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works. It works twice as fast because it's a chewable. I took a shower. I popped it before the shower, took the shower, and I came out. And guess what? I hit her with the kendo stick. 
Oh, the candlestick steel chair. That's right. Brick <laughs> table, yeah. Any day or night, empty your full stomach. You can take it whenever you want. As soon as the opportunity arises, let's say another team had a tag team match and they get knocked out, well, you can step in and take those opportunities as we saw uh, Ziggler and uh, his buddy do the other night. Ladies, if you're still listening, by the way, you you don't get any of these references. Just know that if no, none, none. Yeah, just know if your boyfriend takes blue chew, uh, you'll have fun all night long. What what does Ric Flair say? The oldest ride, but the longest line. Woo. Yeah, he does. I mean, if the ladies are still listening, let's just say uh, it, it'll be kind of like totally divas. I guess I'm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the ladies would reference to it. I, I'm not sure, and I'm not even going to try to insult them. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online, strips, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, which means your boyfriend's not wasting gas money or going to see a doctor. Uh, no waiting at a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Uh, they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew uh, is shipped direct, they're cheaper than anything you can get at a pharmacy. Use the promo code Ellsworth. As we said, you get uh, the free shipment, and then you get $5. You pay $5 shipping and handling, and that's it, ladies. Look, uh, I, I tell you, my you know, I got the This Is Awesome chant. That's all I can say, um, Petey. That's the end of this Blue Chew ad, I think. Thank God, right? <laughs> Okay, Brian Cage. Uh, five bucks, man. It's cheaper than like a Young Bucks T-shirt. I mean, what can you do? Five bucks. That's that's right. Use it. And by the way, if you use the promo code, they pay us, which means I can then take PD to lunch or dinner or the same lunch or dinner he doesn't want to go with me to. So, uh, you know, or buy a Young Bucks T-shirt. I don't know why I'm promoting Young Bucks all of a sudden. Are are they are, are they? advertising on this podcast too did blue chew i, I the... don't know i i think they i think they're part of blue chew i don't i don't know hey you know the young bucks don't you i i do know the young bucks then then send them a check for this ad okay all right i absolutely will all right are you ready are you ready for brian cage oh i'm ready let's do this P.D. Williams here on the wrestling perspective podcast we've had a ton of great names but none literally bigger than Brian Cage. PD, tell me, how did you land Brian Cage for our podcast? Uh, it was actually very difficult. No, it was actually, uh, it, it was it was pretty easy. Uh, you know, we reached out to him. It was somebody that we wanted on our podcast for a very long time. Um, I know it, it was kind of difficult because he wasn't really doing interviews for Impact Wrestling at the time. And now he's openly talking on the microphone and stuff. So I said, we got to get Brian Cage and now this is our guest now so brian mr brian cage how you doing man doing good man doing good yeah oh i i had been hit up from a few people you know via impact about doing interviews and podcasts and then they, they pulled them all since you know i guess me talking was thing apparently it just kind of coincidentally happened and then now now that i'm allowed to talk i guess i can do interviews now yeah, apparently. So, I mean, I'm going to start it off with the first question, if it's all right with you, Dennis. Yes, please. Okay, so Mexico City, right? I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm not to give anything away or anything like that. We just did tapings there. But I'm looking, and I'm looking at this card, and, you know, we'll just say that Brian Cage was teaming up with the Lucha Brothers and against three other individuals. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, all right, this is kind of like a clash of styles, but then I'm watching the match. The match is phenomenal. And 
I'm looking at Brian Cage. He's doing more backflips and aerial stuff than the Lucha Brothers. So my question is, you know, I look at you, you're, you're, you're a bodybuilder type, great physique, all that kind of stuff. But then I see you and how athletic you are with all your, your, your flips. It's almost like you're a luchador at the same time. So my question is, like, do you have, like, the, like, did you used to be, like, a gymnast or whatever? Or were you, like, bodybuilding first and then went into, like, doing all this other stuff? Like, what's your background in that, your athletic background? I mean, I've always been, like, a, a good athlete as far as just, you know, playing multiple sports. A lot of it, too, just, you know, amongst my friends. Not like I went, you know, throughout the you know, professional training or schooling for, for most of the sports. Um, and, you know, when I first started wrestling, I was always in decent shape. And it's been a definitely a, a decade worth of progress to get to the, the size that I am. But um, believe it or not, a lot of the aerial stuff that I've been able to do, I kind of just learned on the way. And some of them, even like, like a standing backflip, I couldn't do until just a, a few years ago. And I just tried it and I was able to do it. And I was still, you know, 250 pounds at that time. So I don't know, man. It just uh, once I kind of got a crash pad or you know some some places to try some stuff, I just tried it and I could do it. I was like, oh wow, holy crap! Who'd have thought? So, so there, wow, there was no yeah, no 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 gymnastic stuff, nothing. I just I just kind of went forward. I'm like, oh, I guess I can do it. Awesome. So I'm Great. gonna I'm gonna jump in here and change a little bit of the direction and ask you what were you a fan of growing up? Because there are some famous stories out there where it talks about you kind of becoming friends with Chris Canyon, which was one of my favorites. I was a WCW guy growing up. Uh, can you, were you a WCW guy and that's how your friendship evolved? Can you talk about that? Um, so, I mean, I watched both WCW and, and WWF at the time. Um, but uh, I was more, I was more a fan of, you know, of Rob than Nitro, but I would actually get up, I, you know, I'd stay up and watch Raw, and I'd get up at 5 a.m. to watch the the, the the last couple hours of Nitro because every mother effer at high school would always come up to me, oh, man, did you watch Nitro last night? I'd be like, no, I recorded it. What you think would imply I'm going to watch it later, and then be like, oh, Sting won the title or whatever spoiler would happen, and it pissed me off. Like, I just told you I recorded it. So it, it led me to waking up at 5 in the morning um, every Tuesday to watch uh, Nitro before school, but... Uh, but yeah, so I was, I was almost equally a fan, but I get a little bit not uh, to WWF. Now, given that, I'd never went to a WCW show, and um, when the invasion angle was happening, and we're going to Raw, and I lived up in Northern California near Sacramento, <clears throat> um, it was my first chance to see Canyon. I was always a huge fan of Canyon. I loved all of his innovative offense and everything he did, and uh, all of his, you know, his angle with um, the Ravens flock and yada, yada, yada. So... I was stoked at, to make a Who Better the Canyon sign. And this was in high school. And um, it was Austin Appreciation Night. And he was out there with the Alliance MVP um, uh, T-shirt. He made his own Who Better Than, uh, than Austin T-shirt. Because the question was always, Who Better Than Canyon? For those who don't know, that's why I do the Who Better Than Cage. is homage to him. And nice. uh, I, I had the, the sign in the crowd. And he saw it. And he... He pointed at me and he recognized, uh, not recognized me, but pointed at me and acknowledged me. And I was thrilled, man. I was on cloud nine. That's all I wanted. And as the show was ending, he came back out as we were, we were on the floor. And as we started heading up the stairs, he came back out and he gave me the shirt, which I still have. And um, uh, the Who Better Than Austin shirt. And then I ended up getting him to sign my shirt and sign the sign. And I, uh, I was jazzed and I put the whole um, story on, um, on his message board at the time on his webpage. And, uh, not too long afterwards that he got hurt, and I think he, he saw it, and he like, reached out to me during his downtime, and 
long story short, we just kind of became friends and he kind of helped give me some opportunities in the business. And then I actually ran my own promotion in Chico, California for a little bit. And I got him to come out there. I got to work my, one of my idols and uh, favorites in wrestling in my hometown, which was also a, a, a ginormous um, mission accomplished. I, I remember I even saying, I, I felt like, you know, at 22 or whatever, I, my wrestling career could be over and I'd be, you know, be happy. But, um, but yeah, no, so I was a huge fan of, of Canyon and actually the three people I, I try to emulate in the ring were, uh, or I wanted to, were the three Chris's that was Chris Canyon, uh, Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. Wow. Petey, can, can I jump in and ask one more question? Yeah, I got the next one after you. Okay. Cause I've, I've got a ton of them. This, we're just going to pepper you questions. It's like two fanboys. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're in impact, you're Lucha underground, your name pops up on a lot of these lists that are like, who sh- who could we see pop up in WWE and, 2019 2020 it i I don't even want to talk about that but with the recent uh question marks with the lucha brothers were they going were they not and then it comes out that they were contracted contractably obligated to stay at mlw for uh, a longer period of time and you may not want to talk about it if, if not it's okay but what what links on your contract are there right now that would prevent you from moving around as far as to try, try to jump ship somewhere? Yes. I mean, I would. I mean, I obviously would have to get released. But I mean, I'm I'm, I'm signed with, with with Impact and with Lucha Underground. Um, I mean, albeit from from getting released, and I'm assuming if I'd have to wait the ninety month period or whatever, that that would be the restraint from me going anywhere else. But not even trying to like fade or you know save face. I mean, I'm super happy and content with where I'm at. Doing independence and with my contract with, with both companies. So, I mean, I'm not looking to head anywhere anytime soon at all. Okay. Hey, me either, Brian. Me either. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I want to kind of steer in a different direction. Uh, bodybuilding, okay? Obviously, a passion of yours and stuff. So, um, back uh, years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Duvall, professional bodybuilder. So, uh, he used to uh, train at the Can-Am Wrestling School where, you know, myself and Demore and a bunch of other guys a train that was our, our home school so I, I know that like for example um triple h huge mark of bodybuilding and stuff like that like uh, matt duvall walked in the locker room one time with like uh, a couple other guys that were trying to get in uh kind of you know in, into wwe as like a you know an extra and then triple h right away oh matt duvall come here i want to introduce you to vince that kind of thing so you being big in the bodybuilding and the problem with Matt Duvall, God rest his soul, is that like phenomenal bodybuilder, but the athleticism nowhere near compared to what you have and you know your footwork and all that kind of stuff. So going to that, like, have you competed like in actual bodybuilding shows? Like, what? Walk me through that. Like, how how did that all work? Or are you just like a fan of bodybuilding and just stay in shape? So I mean, I I, I wasn't. Uh... Anything special? I mean, growing out of high, getting out of high school, I was uh, a whopping 155 pounds. Um, I, I know. And then my uh, my PE teacher from sophomore year knew how much I wanted to be uh, a wrestler, and uh, he, he opened up. He was teaching summer school the year I graduated, and he opened up the weight room for me and said, "Hey, you know, you can come out here and train. I'll let you train in the weight room." 
um, if you want. So that's what kind of got my, my passion really into bodybuilding. Um, I would just start to jog to my high school uh, every morning that summer, and I would uh, just start hitting the weights and just self-taught. And I started reading bodybuilding magazines, started to kind of really get into it and really enjoy it. Um, and then it wasn't until 2012 that I did my first show. I kept on wanting to compete. But I kept like kind of pussyfooting around it, and like I don't know, what, you know, what if I have a show, or what if this, or what if that? Um, I actually got injured in 2011 and was in really bad shape. Um, people like to like find those pictures too, and act like I went from like what I look like then to now, like overnight. But uh, uh, once once I my shoulder healed and I started training, I was like, you know what? I got I got a fire lit under me. I want to I want to get in the best shape of my life, and I want to finally compete. And so in 2012, I did my first competition. Um, I won my class in the overall in the novice and my class in the open. I fell in love with it. I've done about five competitions since then. I've won my class in every one and I've won three other overalls. And I actually was going to compete for my pro show, uh, for my pro call rather in 2015. And then Lucha Underground started taping like two weeks sooner, um, than was originally scheduled. And that was the weekend of my competition. Um, and I went back and forth with them about it and basically offered me, um, a decent bonus not to compete. So I never did that show. And I, I tried to compete two more times after that, but it kind of like the same thing kept happening where like, you know, midway of the prep, I'd have to like pull out of the show. So I was just tired of, of killing myself for no reason. So I, I, I pulled that out and I, I still love bodybuilding. I mean, I was just over this past weekend during my travels. Um, I was paying attention to the Olympia weekend and I wanted to be out there for that. Um, and I, I, I probably will compete again at some point, but, um, you know, it was more of just a of a of a hobby passion rather than you know a professional passion trying to make a you know a career out of it. So I'm obviously fully content and happy. And this is all I've been wanting to do since I was 10 years old: be a pro wrestler. So that's first and foremost. And uh, and I actually touch on that too. I do like to say too, I'm not I'm not a bodybuilder. You know, trying to be a pro wrestler. I'm a pro wrestler that just happens to bodybuild. No, I, absolutely. And you could tell there's a difference. And I you know I always reference Matt Dubois because he was a pro wrestler. Or, I mean, I'm a pro bodybuilder trying to be a pro wrestler. You see it all the time. And I, I don't really think it's meshes. You can tell, like, you're a professional wrestler that happens to, you know, I actually be a bodybuilder. Quick follow-up question. It could be a quick yes or no answer. Um, maybe in the future, do you, like, have aspirations to be like, hey, I want to get my pro card to check it off my bucket list kind of deal? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Like, that, that's what I want to do is at least just check it off the list. Um, you know, I can compete as pro, maybe not. Um, the glass half full part of that is, you know, once you're freaking over 35, you can do the masters, which is an easier way to get a pro card. So, oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure more than likely I probably will. Now, awesome. now Petey, when did you leave impact the first time around? Uh, first time around I left in 2009, I got released, came back four years later for like a couple months. All right, so was there any overlap? Because a lot of people don't know, but you've had kind of a cup of tea in impact between 2012 and 2014, Brian Cage. Uh, were there any overlaps between you and PD then that you may remember, or was it just two ships passing in the night? I don't remember anything, Brian. I, I was there in 2013 for the summer of 2013. Were you there? Um, when did I come there? You might have been there. One of the things, because you know, I, I did a couple darks, then I did uh, did the guy video, and then I did the destination next, um, gimmick in New York. So that was that was summer of 2012, 
January 2013 and summer of 2014. We might have. I mean, I don't, I don't remember, Brian. Do you? I, not, I'm not on top of my head. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing that like. But me too. You know. You know. I'm I'm, I'm Green Boy. There, so I wasn't like interacting. I'm just kind of sitting there waiting for someone to tell me what to do. So yeah. So we talked too much, but. Great. So you're not going to tell me PD was a jerk to you, and you're still secretly wanting to rip <laughs> off his head. No, no way, no way. Oh, I would have marked down if, if, if little Petey Pump was talking to me. I, would, I, like, yeah. I, I am. I'm the same way too. Let's let's hey, talk oh, about. Hold on, Dennis. Yes. I, I, hold on. I got to ask one thing. Uh, since you said little Petey Pump, were, were you like you know because Steiner obviously great physique. Were you a Steiner fan at all? It could be a quick yes or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Steiner. Okay. All right. All right, great. Dennis, next question. Now, when it comes to character development, uh, wrestling fans, maybe you can throw me in here, but I, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you again, so you can easily pummel me if you don't agree or like the way I phrase this question, but please don't hurt me too bad. Uh, uh, the big guys are sometimes hamstrung with uh, character development. Uh, you know, they're either meatheads or they don't talk a lot or they just go out and, and destroy things. You said Chris Jericho was one of the guys you want to emulate who was oozing personality. What have you done to try to break the mold and break out of that I'm just a big guy gimmick? Ooh, that's a good question too. I, you know what? I, uh, and that's actually one of, the, one of the factors amongst many others, but one of the factors of why I had Jericho in there too as well, as well because of his charisma and his personality, which obviously separated itself too from the other two. Um, and you know, I try, I try to be more than just, uh, you know, obviously looks and body guy and then, or just, you know, an impressive high spot guy as well. Um, I don't feel like I've gotten, you know, independent shows have done some stuff. Um, I don't feel like I've gotten a whole lot of, uh, you know, I guess opportunity to try to do more personality wise or character wise on, on TV, especially to like Lucha when they first brought me in, and I know that's like the easy go-to, like you just said, too. They brought me kind of like, oh, the meathead bully, you know, heel. And, uh, and I started getting a little bit more in two and three. And then this past season, it kind of we're just kind of went back to season one, where it's just like a meathead heel. Um, I feel like things are starting to progress. And I think definitely will develop a lot more in impact as we're going forward. Um, but that's definitely, I definitely agree with you. And I definitely want to um, stand out even more than I already have as just being some something, not just a body guy, you know what I mean? So not only as far as in-ring and presence go, but also obviously on the mic and character-wise as well. Pete? So, Brian, just uh, switching a little bit of gear. So with Impact, it seems like, I, I mean, I don't know. Lucha, you already filmed all the season. I don't know if there's going to be a season five. Um, but Impact's kind of like, you know, you, you, I would say like you're home right now. So yep. back in 2000, you know, I don't remember when you came in. I want to say it was last year, maybe in the fall ish um like who, who appro like how did this all come about like who approached you was it like sanjay scott was it uncle jeff like who, who said hey brian we want you so so originally um what's the topic to do i was talking to somebody about it and i know like they're like back and forth about doing it because you know technically we weren't supposed to do with the lucha contracts but a lot of people complain because there's such such a long time off from uh, season three to season four. And then I believe it was Taya and Johnny that first started doing stuff with Impact before anybody else. And we're like, hey, what the hell? And they kind of, you know, started tripping down to where they opened up the contracts of Lucha because um, everyone's kind of complaining and wanted that their release. So they're like, hey, hey, you know what? 
you can work um, outside of WWE, um, or you know, everyone but WWE, but we still get first priority. And then I know I reached out to Sanjay a few times before that and after that. And then I think I think from that, uh, Scott called me, and then Dorian called me for AAA, and then and then Scott called me back, and then we you know we worked out the deal from there. You know, when Pete, before he came back into wrestling, we were at a show, and one of the wrestlers had kind of warned him, don't don't go back to Impact. This is before, you know, we, we much talk about it a lot on this podcast about how they clean up their act, uh, rebuilding bridges. Was there any people that were like, hey, man, you may want to stay away from Impact? Because around that time, there was still a switch over. It was a very new regime, cleaning up a lot of the messes of the past TNA were were there guys that were just like, hey, you may not want to go there. Well, yeah, you know what, too, and that was that was one of the factors too, because I was actually um, talking, I was trying to talk with some ideas too with with Ring of, Ring of Honor as well about possibly going there instead. And uh, the hold up there was there was nothing set in stone or guaranteed, um, where there was with Impact, but. You know, for lack of a better term, Impact, you know, hadn't really gotten cool again just yet. I know Ring of Honor was, so I was like, Ring of Honor might be the better choice, but, you know, there's, there's, I could be sitting around forever. It might not even happen. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, you know, Impact's here right now. And after talking to Scott a couple of times and just kind of, you know, the, the ship going in a different direction and kind of what they had in store, um, I was just kind of hoping and, and, uh, and feeling that, you know, things would be okay there. And I had had a waiting, and that was the, uh, an opportunity that was knocking my door. So I said, hey, you know what? Let's open it and give it a shot. And I remember the first, the first day, the first week out there and to be flat honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of impact outside of like, uh, the last two pay-per-views, <clears throat> um, when I got there. And I remember the first day I was so surprised, like how good the wrestling was. I was like, Oh man, th- th- this show was actually ran pretty smooth. The wrestling was pretty good. I'm like, Hey, it's not so bad. And the rest of the week kind of went the same throughout the whole part. And that was like, I feel like that first week in January of tapings was kind of the uh, like like the point like like that was like the turning point week where like things started to kind of you know turn around a little bit and obviously um, the, the the redemption pay per view and so on and so on like everything else started you know just it's really been knocking out of the of, out of the park and I feel like the product itself and the locker room and it's it just it's just great man so I'm definitely glad that I decided to uh, to go with Impact and I, I, I like where things are going. Now, PD, I've got one more question before I let him go. Why don't you, if you have one, go ahead, and we'll wrap it up with I my do. question. Okay. I do. So, Brian, you were at All In, all right? Um, mm-hmm. So, it, part of, so awesome, you know, obviously it was probably a great experience for you and stuff. Um, I, I'm, I didn't watch it, but I'm hearing about, you know, all the stuff that happened in the Battle Royale and stuff. Do I agree with it? with your character and stuff? Absolutely not. Maybe you could steer me in a uh, different direction. But, you know, it's kind of intriguing with you and Jordan Grace. Like, I mean, do you feel like you guys are going to have, like, some sort of long-term independent feud? Like, it's kind of intriguing. Like, can you tell me about that? All right. So, so coincidentally, Drew uh, from Beyond Wrestling had hit me up about working her, like, way before the Battle Royale. And actually was, was opposed to it um, not because oh she's a girl, but because uh, I, I've done two intergender matches, like full on one on one intergender matches that both got rave reviews. And I was with Taya from Lucha Underground and with Tessa from Wrestle Circus. Um, now I think those work so well too 
because of like kind of the feud and the story, kind of what we had built into it before going to the match. So it wasn't just, you know, a freak show and a gender match for the sake of it. So that's my only complaint. I was like, yeah, if there's more built into it, that'd be cool. I was like, you know what, Drew? She may not like this, but she's so, so like the female Michael Elgin, you know, she's not a big fan of his as far as like, you know, her style, <laughs> her look, her tights. And that's, you know, a, a, a tag team partner of mine in the Indies. So like, well, I would rather just team with her. We can be like the intergender effing machines and then, you know, we can wrestle whatever couple. And, uh, I put that out there, and he liked it, and it wasn't really working out. And he's like, "No, man, I'm really sold on on you guys working. Come on!" And so, long story short, I ended up, um, you know, Green taking the match, and then coincidentally, a few weeks later, the all in, you know, over budget battle royal happens. And as they're going over the booking for that, and how they're making me look strong, and uh, and what they're doing, I, I can really tell on paper, like as, as it's going down the list, right away, I think in my head, like, "Oh, they're gonna have Jordan eliminate." just makes sense and then sure yeah. sure stuff it when it comes down to the final four jordan eliminates me and and to be perfectly honest i wasn't stoked on the idea as, as i was predicting it would turn out that way but um it's not like she beat me um she eliminated me and it got such a good reaction and got so over and especially how the way we put it together i actually think that was the best way for me to be eliminated because like if i was to make it to that final four any miles to throw out Jordan or whatever and turn around and get thrown out by, by Bully Ray or by Cole Cabana, it would be very forgettable. The, there wouldn't have been anything special to it, so to speak. But then the shock value of me, you know, looking so strong by Royal and then slipping my banana peel and getting eliminated by Jordan Grace, I felt got more traction, more, you know, momentum behind it than any other elimination. So, and, and to the fact that people may not be, a, be or may be opposed to it, you know, like, such as yourself. I think also make people talk about it. I did, however, forget that it was on TV. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe I could see, you know, yeah. how maybe Rockwoods wouldn't be so thrilled on it. But, um, you know, all, all in all, I, I don't think it was a horrible thing. And then we actually just had our match this past Sunday, and I killed her. So don't worry. You okay. know, I'm, I'm looking strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. All right. And finally, I want to wrap this up with we went back to this whole meathead thing, and we were talking about you, and you, you were. You're just so big and so likable. What? Talk me out of your personality. Why you're not a meathead? Are you a nerd? Are you a video game guy? You, it's for me. Oh, when I, all, all of the above. When I see all Brian, of the above, I'm uh, Go ahead. When I see Brian Cage, I think, all right, that guy. And once again, please don't beat me up. I am five nine. Uh, you, I bumped into you once and went through a wall. So you you can sneeze <laughs> and beat me up. When I think about when I see Brian Cage in the ring as a fan, I think, all right, uh, limited vocabulary, which is not true because it goes with the whole meathead thing, the Cro Magnum kind of just I'm big, I want to smash things. What personalities do you have? What likes do you have? What is what are something fans would be like? Whoa, you know, Brian Cage loves Abba. Well, I mean, what what can you tell us about your personality? It'd be like, yo, I'm a nerd just like everybody else. Oh, well, perfect. Well, let's see. I, uh, I'm i a huge fan of video games. I don't get to play them as much uh, as I used to due to my schedule, but I, I still have plenty of video games. I can't wait for Resident Evil 2 to come out. It's my all-time favorite video game, the the remake, rather. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm waiting to pick up the new Spider-Man game um, when I go see my son, um, who, who, who actually worked me. He's like, he texts me. I have a son who's 12, and he goes, he goes hey, Dad, have you, do you have the new Spider-Man game? I go, no. He's like, oh. What do you want? I really want to play it. So I was thinking, if you just wait till you get the Chico to buy it, then maybe we could borrow Corey. That's my younger brother. 
Maybe we can borrow Corey's PlayStation 4, and then we, so that way you can have the game, but then that way I get to play it, too. I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, big fan of video games, huge comic book nerd. I have tons of comic books. I have so much Wolverine memorabilia. That's why also my, my, uh, my monikers and my uh, repertoire of moves are all named after him. Um, I l- absolutely love Army of Darkness and Evil Dead. I've got more memorabilia for that than anything. A huge horror uh, movie fan, as well as comic book movie fan, obviously. Um, probably the number one reference, or, or I guess compliment, or lack thereof, from any girl, is how much uh, of a nerd or dork I am. Um, nothing gets me more excited than freaking desserts and sweets and junk food. Uh, I have a pug. I absolutely love pugs. I also have a pet hedgehog. Um, I don't know. What else? What else? My buddy Drake's right. What, what else makes me... More, uh, more normal, less meat heady, huh? From a small town. I worked at a, I worked, I worked at a, at a sweet little movie theater forever that I absolutely love. So they have free tickets there. Yeah. That was my first job to have like five and a half years. But um, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm pretty easygoing guy. I know a lot of people will see me in the gym or out and about and think like, oh, with a mohawk or fohawk and just all the muscles, I look like an asshole. But uh. I'm very usually approachable and nice and usually not what anybody expects. So, um, and you know, my, I feel like my vocabulary, you know, can, can be quite substantial at times, you know? So I, I don't know. Wow. Well, listen, yeah. I would, Pete, I would definitely say, uh, yeah, you're not a meathead. Dennis, I've, I've, and everybody listening, I've, I've worked with Brian for, for, I don't know, almost a year now, let's say. And he's anything but that. I have nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, super approachable. First time I met him, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to agent this match or get it or whatever the case may be. Oh, like, I mean, really easy to work with and stuff. And, and Brian, thank you so much for, for coming on our show. Dennis and I really appreciate it. And we wish you nothing but, like, you know, success in the future. Awesome, guys. Yeah, no problem. Had fun doing it. Uh Again, sorry it didn't work out last time, but hey, better better late than never. So, I uh, appreciate yeah, but, it. Appreciate the questions. No. Nope. Yeah. Hey, where, where where can people find you? Like on on, on social media, whatever, whatever you got to plug. Where where can people find you? All right. Let's see. I mean, you could just Google Brian Cage and you could figure it out. But um, obviously, obviously, <laughs> uh, Brian Cage on Instagram, Mister GMSI underscore B Cage on Twitter. It's a really crappy name, but I got a blue check mark, so I can't change it. Um, and <laughs> Uh, com backslash Brian Cage if you want to get some sweet Brian Cage swag or the Impact Shop Zone for, for those two two actually really impressive Marvel S designs that you guys made that you made for me. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish I could say I made them, but I did not. <laughs> <laughs> right? 